0: Hello world, welcome to another edition of Mr. Speaker Speaks, the show that educates, stimulates, and rejuvenates your mind. And you all know how we do it, with interactive dialogue and deep, candid conversations. It is here where people share their stories to help inspire and motivate others. Learn more about me, Mr. Speaker, that is, at vincenttedwards.com. And if you want to grow professionally, personally, and spiritually, check out my online community at vincentondemand.com. It's where you get exclusive access to seminars, trainings, and much, much more to help you pivot into your purpose with power and precision. Remember, life is all about purpose. Today on Mr. Speaker Speaks, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Ed Womack, the urban leadership strategist. But like always here on Mr. Speaker Speaks, let us go to the throne of grace. Heavenly Father, we truly thank you. We thank you for all that you've done and all that you continue to do for us. Lord, we just praise your name because it's only because of you we're able to do anything. And I never take anything for granted. So, Lord, I'm crying out to you, continue to lead me and to guide me that I may be a help and a service to others. And, Lord, let your hand be upon my guest today, Mr. Womack. God bless him in all of his endeavors. And now open up the ears of the listening audience today so that they can learn, that they can live better, that they can do better because you are our God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And our scripture inspirational scripture today comes from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 and it reads There hath no temptation taken you but such as common to man but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it first Corinthians 10 13 want to let you know that today's show is brought to you by program success your source for professional news and information program success magazine spotlights the success of individuals who have excelled in their areas of expertise in order to inspire encourage and enhance the lives of others Aspiring Greatness. More information is available at programsuccess.net. Program Success, you know, the name says it all. My guest today is Dr. Ed Womack, the urban leadership strategist, international trainer, consultant, author, radio and TV personality. Currently, he resides in Woodstock, Georgia. He was raised on the west side of Detroit, Michigan, he is a recovering addict with over ten years of sobriety, and with that, I'm gonna stop right there. Mister Womack, how you doing today? And welcome to Mister Speaker Speaks.
1: Man, I'm too blessed to be stressed, too equipped to be whipped, and too annoyed to be disappointed, kind sir. How are you this fine
0: day? Oh, I'm just doing fine, walking in my purpose and my destiny every day. May not be a good day on the outside, but inside of my heart, filled with joy, and it's always a great day. Man, you in Georgia now, raised on the west side of Detroit. Share with us your story that gets you to where you are. What makes you the one to help those who are in need of recovery?
1: You know, Brother Vince and I, Mr. Speaker, I so, so appreciate that question because I think it it really helps to set the stage for the rest of the conversation that we're going to have. You know, as being raised on the west side of Detroit, I, I oftentimes was uh, very engaged in athletics, excelled in school, uh, won a state championship undefeated in the state of Michigan in 1985 when there was some serious ballers going on up in that place. And uh, you know, I had some I had some great great times up in Detroit, Michigan. Um, but at, at one point during that journey, you know, I had a a pretty traumatic situation that occurred with regard to uh, a physical assault that was at the hands of my stepbrother. You know, and and if you, anybody know about big brothers, you know, we typically look up to our big brothers with great admiration, with great. Uh, desire to be like them with, with an utmost of trust. And, and I have to say that, 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 that physical violation that took place really kind of took a, a a great environment, a great situation, a great uh, upbringing, and kind of put a kink in the armor, if you will. And that kink actually followed me into my adolescence, followed me into my adulthood and had me at a point where I really wasn't sure you know, what what direction I should go. And it reminds me of a quote by Mark Twain that says, you know, there's two important days in your life when the day you were born and the day you find out why. And after that trust-busting situation took place, I I really developed a wall around myself. I really became very uncertain of who I really was and, and got myself engaged in a couple of things to try and, you know, fill that hole in my soul And and I would like to tell you that I filled that hole in my soul with something positive, but unfortunately that's not the case. I I chose to, you know, take all the amazing things that had happened, all the greatness that was going on around me and into consideration, but that hole in my soul just could not be filled. So I said, you know what, I'm going to try to fill this thing. And I thought it was going to be a very temporary situation. And 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 what found its way into that hole were were drugs, alcohol, fast women, and a bunch of bad decisions. And you know, again, I thought I could go in, I could control it because I had had all these other recent success or these other successes in my life. I thought, okay, well, I'm just gonna, you know, blow off a little bit of steam, and then I'll get myself back on track. Unfortunately, that 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 scenario happened again. And again, and again, until I found myself just out of control to the point that I had in about a eight month period, I spent about four hundred thousand dollars of my four oh one k just trying to chase one more hit of crack cocaine um and it was it was pretty devastating, you know but but by the grace of God, at one point, I was able to find myself in a downtown area in the midst of a bunch of uh, old-school, old-town restaurants, and there was this pile of ants. I refer to them as them damn ants. But them damn ants were literally the turning point in my life because as I was big six-foot-four, 250-pound dude, staring over these ants, wanting to just in- inflict the pain upon them that I was filling in that hole in my soul, and I couldn't do it. And what I did that day was I actually looked at them damn ants, I was like, man, they out here doing their thing. They carry in double their weight just to make sure that they get their mission accomplished, putting themselves in harm's way without a care in the world. And I, I, I reflected momentarily to myself. I was like, man, I ain't even as worthy as them damn ants. And so I was so devastated that I decided, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna get the help that I need. So I picked up my phone, I called my buddy in Chicago, my best friend on the planet. I'm like, yo man, I, I need some help. I need to go get me get myself together. And he sent me some money with no questions asked, and, and on that day, I actually didn't go seek an additional drugs. I actually went and checked myself into a rehab, and that's where I began to turn my life around. That's where I really began to find Ed. And as I went through that confrontational program, I also began to build my mental muscle. I began to build my emotional muscle. I began to build my service muscle so that I became one that was really looking to serve myself and get better, but to also serve others. And as I did that, man, I tell you, I I really began to see doors open. I began to see life in a new way because Dr. Wayne Dyer says, you know, if you change the way that you look at things – the way that the things that you look at will change. And so, as I began to go through that transition with the help of a psychologist, I began to really peel back the layers and realize that the drugs wasn't really my problem. My problem was the unresolved pain that I encountered at the hands of my stepbrother that I had never dealt with. Because as a man, I couldn't tell nobody, I couldn't embarrass my family. Because you know, I came from one of them cribs where it's like, what happened in this house? Stay in this house. Right, is The biggest crock ever, you know what I'm saying? So so now I'm committed, man, to actually serve recovering addicts and returning citizens and their life, work and place so they don't have to go through that path. And if they happen to be stuck and they don't really know why they're here on this planet, I try to help them uncover that, man. So that's just a little bit about me, man.
0: So during that entire process, when you peeled back the layers and everything came out and you found the root cause of that issue, You got it resolved. So after all of that, who is Ed?
1: So today, Ed is the urban leadership strategist that is, first and foremost, I'm God's child. And I know that I know that I know that I am uniquely and wonderfully made in his image. And I know not only who I am, but I also know that the only reason that I am still here on this planet is because he's got something left for me to do. And so one of the biggest tenets that I base my life on is that the rent that I pay to be on this planet is my service to others, man. So that's that's really and truly who Ed is, despite all of the other professional, champion, professional accomplishments, athletic accomplishments. At the end of the day, man, I'm just a true servant leader being used as a vessel.
0: So when you say, so would you say purpose in your life is to serve others? And if it's so, is that that population of recovering addicts?
1: So truly purpose, I made I turn purpose out of my pain. And my primary audience is recovering addicts and returning citizens. Um, and the reason for that is because a lot of times we are what I call the underrepresented population. Uh, the the streets don't care and the penal system don't either. And so one of the things that I decided was as I was trying to understand who it was that I was purposed to serve was, okay, who is it that I can provide the most positive impact for as it relates to the journey that I had gone through? Because a lot of times people get it twisted when they go through various mishaps or undesirable situations in their life that life is happening to them. But I was able at one point to turn that thing around and realize that it was happening for me to actually prepare me for such a time as this, man.
0: Share with us the most difficult part of that transition for you and going through rehab.
1: Well, I think the, the most difficult part was admitting that I needed to help, you know, cause a lot, you know, as, as society, kind of places this uh, this label or this expectation on men in general. Like we just supposed to face whatever comes our way and just deal with it, you know? And coming from the west side of Detroit, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the area or your listeners are familiar with the area, but the west side of Detroit ain't no joke, man. I was raised up in an environment where it was dog eat dog, you know, around players, pimps, hustlers. And so there was a certain stigma That, you know, we was just hard. And so I think the biggest and toughest challenge was getting to a place where I realized that I had to surrender to win. And so being able to actually ask for help was by far the biggest obstacle in that entire process. There were several others, but that was the biggest one, which was actually taking that first step to ask for help.
0: When we look at people, those who we consider successful, when we look at companies, it's often said that success leaves clues. You reached out and asked for help, but at any moment you could have given up. Share with us your keys to successfully completing that program to get to where you are right now.
1: So, well, that's a that's a loaded question, Mr. Speaker. That's a loaded question, so I hope we got time because I'm going to unpack it for you. Hey, so,
0: unpack it. hey so we, first, this is where we have interactive dialogue, man, where we have deep and real candid conversations because this program is all about helping others. And you say you want to serve. A lot of times we don't really serve until we share what we really went through and how we did it because most people can tell you a lot of stuff. But a lot of people won't tell you how they did it. How did you do it?
1: I got you. I got you. So first and foremost, when some when most people hear that you went to rehab, they'll applaud and they're like, Oh, bless your heart. That's a good thing. But the, the beautiful thing about the rehab that I went through was that it was not the come on in let, let us pat you on your head type of an environment. It was a confrontational, uh, in your face parliamentary Uh, very, very rigid program called Trinity House Big Bethel in downtown Atlanta. I call it the last house on the block. And you can't just walk into the doors of Trinity House and say, hey, I want some help. You have to actually prove it. And what I mean by you have to prove it is the house is actually run by staff as far as administratively. But the day-to-day operation and function of the house is run by the residents. And so when you come into the Trinity House program, you actually have to go through a a pseudo-initiation. It's not violent, but you almost wish it (laughs) was. It's kind of like – you got big brother or the chairman who sits at the top of the table, and then you've got like a sergeant at arms, you've got an assistant chairman, and you've got all these other brothers that are at varying levels of uh, achievement sitting around the table. And so on the very far left of the table is what they call the first chair. And if they allow you in the house, you start in the first chair and you have to kind of work your way around uh, as far as you can go. Um, through the learnings, through the different levels of the program. So it was an African American program. And so the colors of the program were green, red, and black, symbolizing that of our, you know, our heritage. And so as a green shirt, you can't talk to nobody uh, for 30 days. You can't go anywhere without a buddy. Um, And most of us come in there with nothing but the shirt on our back. So that was my situation. I pretty much was bu- broke, busted, disgusted, had nothing, nothing. I mean, every possession I had had either been sold, sold or stolen. And so I was totally at my wit's end, smelling like 20 miles of bad road. Uh, but God saw fit to allow me into a program that was actually at capacity. And I had a moment of clarity when the intake co- coordinator was about to come down and tell me they were at capacity. The unction of God says, stand your butt up and sh- extend your hand to shake this lady's hand. And that very gesture, that small gesture of just standing up and re- extending my hand to shake her hand, and I call her my guardian angel, Sister Queen, like Cheryl Walker. She was so thrown aback by that, because most of the guys, that, you know, most you come off the streets, you ain't, you ain't trying to extend no courtesy or nothing like that, but I wasn't that toe up. And so I was able to do that and she said hold on wait a minute I'm gonna go see if we can you know make an exception she came back about 30 minutes later she went to the director on my behalf and they allowed me to sleep on the couch of the house until an actual bed opened up so I'm gonna fast forward just a little bit but that was pretty significant as a first step because I was already kind of like one foot in one foot out and if they had not let me in that program God only knows where I would be today, but fortunately, they let me in the program. I went in and I humbled myself, you know, um, even after coming from the rough journey that I was on, I was so, so beat down and so tired and so willing to just feel better that I was like, I'm willing pretty much to do whatever it takes to get out of this pain, this misery, this continuous cycle of just mad depression. And so when I, was able to get into the program. I actually worked my way all the way around the table to ultimately be the chairman, um, in the house. After I graduated, I began, I wrote my first book back from broken and I was able to, which was never intended to be a book, by the way, it was literally my fourth step in narcotics anonymous. And I was like, Oh, no, nobody want to read this. Nobody care what I've been through. You know, they don't really care. And, 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 Oh, was I crazy and mistaken? Um, that that really started my understanding of what my true purpose was, not my calling or not what I was paid. I mean, not my not what I was paid to do, but what I was ordained to do. And I was so thrown aback by how well received it was. I said, okay, well, wait a minute. Let me let me see how far this thing is gonna go. And so when you get that first, like you said, success leaves clues. And so the first clue drop was, wait, the experiences that you went through were not in vain because God had a plan before I was even a gleam in my daddy and mama's eye. And so when I found myself, you know, on the other side of graduating, real life started because when you are in the house, you know, you got accountability around you and everything and you really can't do a whole lot outside of what the program allows you to do. So I got out and I'm like, I'm determined I'm gonna be part of that 3% of addicts that actually stays clean. And so by the grace of God, I actually have 17 years clean today. Um, contrary, I sent you an old bio. So I actually have 17 years of, uh, of sobriety where I haven't had any minor mood, all three substances. And I also, after graduating from that program, I was actually asked to sit on the board Of Trinity House for like seven years. And I was the program director for that program that was the last house on the block for me. And I was able to turn that around to the point that they actually asked me to sit on the board. And um, so after that book, I wrote another one, which is the one we're talking about today.
0: Real quick, I want to make sure we, we cover this with that question. When we talked about your success, what I heard was that what got you through that program and for you to be successful, I heard humility and being courteous. Was there anything else that attributed to your success?
1: Uh, Perseverance, because again, it it wasn't easy to be in that program. I mean, I had previously lived in big houses, had big cars, had a lot of money. And so even though I was in active addiction, I didn't lose sight of what living really was. I had flown the country internationally. So the other thing was perseverance and remaining humble as I was going through that experience. The other thing was the willingness to actually open up and um, and peel back the layers of the onion that I had created for my life. And what I mean by that is a lot of times and well, I would not even say a lot of times I'll keep the focus on me. So. As a result of that physical violation by my stepbrother, I began to build walls around my very being. I didn't let a whole lot of people into my circle uh, on purpose. You know, I'm not one of the people that's going to tell you I got like a thousand friends or associates. I, I do not on purpose because I even to this day, although I have healed to a great degree, I still don't allow a whole lot of people to get too close to me. Um, and, but I'm a better at it than I was. I can associate cordially, um, but it, it was a, at a point in time where I wouldn't let nobody even get close to me. So I think trust in the process also was one of the key elements that made it possible for me to successfully graduate from that program. All
0: right, excellent. Uh, that's what I, I like to hear. How, do, how did you make it? How did you do it? So that other people can learn and say, okay, if he did it, if I do at least some of those things, I will be able to, and I'm going to use your word on your book that we're going to talk about in a minute, I'll be able to rebound, bounce back from um, my situation and my location where I am right now. You talked about back from broken. It wasn't intended to be a book. Uh, what happened after that? Because then we're going to jump into it. I love this title, Use What's left? (laughs) So, so after back Mm -hmm. back from broken, what happened after that?
1: So, after back from broken, I began to really turn my attention to nurturing my purpose because, again, during that time at Trinity House, I actually found Ed. Um, Contrary to what I thought I knew, I really didn't know Ed prior to having gone through that Trinity House experience. So, after back from broken, I really began to start to evolve into the first of all i was a i was a transformation specialist and i had this misconception that i was supposed to help everybody because everybody needs motivation and transformation right well that may be true but they don't necessarily need it from me and so i began to connect with some some very affluent peoples that became my coaches and mentors and they helped me to evolve my thinking uh, my my energy and my drive and the things that I gave my attention to. So I started modeling uh, Les Brown. I started modeling Bishop T.D. Jakes. Um, I started modeling my little, my little brother, who was a pastor of his own church in Texas, to see, okay, well, what are successful people doing? And those were kind of my initial catalysts to be able to observe, because what I've come to realize is that you can't be what you don't see. And so I began to set my sights on things that were different. I began to set my sights on things that were bigger than where I was at that particular moment. And one of the things that Les Brown helped me with was um, sometimes taking that first step is really, really difficult. Sometimes taking that first step is the most difficult step. And what he said to me, that's an indelible thing in my life is that you got to take that. It's called faith. He, he says faith is taking that first step even when you can't see the entire staircase. And when I first heard it, it didn't really resonate, but it's one of those quotes that just is near and dear to my heart and I live by today in all of the different ventures that I get into because by taking that first step to reach out and ask for help at Trinity House, unfolded it into things that I never imagined. I could have never imagined that they would have asked me to sit on the board. I could have never imagined that they would have asked me to be a speaker at the honorary board breakfast. I could have never imagined that I would have shared stages with people like Willie Jolly, Dr. Uh, Les Brown, uh, Myron Golden, and several other people that that your audience may not necessarily know, but I've been able to share stages with some very, very powerful, powerful people. And so as I was doing that, one of my good friends, um, more of my spiritual, uh, accountability partner, if you will, Dr. Sakoni Prince, he wrote a book called, Are You Climbing the Wrong Mountain? And in that book, there's a passage that says this guy was kind of walking along the pathway of life and he began to climb up this mountain. And as he was about halfway up the mountain, he kind of looked over his shoulder and across the pass, he saw that there was another mountain. And he said, well, I'll be darned. I might be on the wrong mountain. And I liken that to my own situation because I had actually experienced some very successful things professionally. I mean, I was traveling the world at corporate expense before I lost my mind and went into active addiction. I was traveling the world, had a great family, had a big house, big cars, and I was actually helping people elevate their professional career. If they passed my certification course, they get anywhere from a five to $10,000 raise. And so I thought that was my calling, but then I realized it wasn't. And so as I was looking at that other mountain, I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, on the other side of Trinity House is where the new mountain is. And the beauty of that, are you climbing the wrong mountain? What it revealed to me is, although you may need to come down and restart and go to a new mountain, because you have climbed and made some progress on that other mountain, you got mountain climbing Skills, so climbing that new mountain is going to be a little bit easier. So as I came out of uh, treatment with some better skills, after I wrote that book, it was really therapeutic, and I began to grow and had bigger, bigger aspirations. I had bigger goals in front of me, and so. I had mountain climbing skills as a result of having been on the wrong mountain at one time, but I didn't have to start all over with because I could tap into the mountain climbing skills to help me launch a new business, uh, launch a nonprofit, be able to write uh, the book that we're going to talk about, Use What's Left, The Seven Strategies to Optimize Your Rebound from Setback, and I began to just build and develop momentum and and a greater desire to serve individuals, like I said, recovering addicts and returning citizens, but pretty much anybody that finds themselves in an undesirable valley oh. in life is really who I can help.
0: Okay. So now, since we've set the stage with your story, gives you the expertise, the experience to be what we would call in the, in the world of speaking, the expert. Let's talk about use what's left. I've often heard, you know, use what you have, but why did you choose use what's left? Uh, What if you don't have anything in the tank? How do you use what's left in order to rebound from a setback?
1: So see that, see, see, I, I love that question. And that's, that's an awesome, awesome question because my favorite book the undisputed number one bestseller says that we are uniquely and wonderfully made. If you think about it, there is nobody on the planet that has your fingerprint or your footprint. That's that's something that nobody else out of the billions of people on this planet has. That in and of itself makes you a winner. Even if you may not believe in God or you don't have a higher power in your life, your fingerprint is undisputably unique so that in and of itself makes everybody everybody a winner and i oftentimes tell people when i get the opportunity to speak that every person on this planet was and is capable of success because we all possess one thing that's in common and that one thing in common that every last one of us possess are our talents abilities and gifts i call it the tag and so that's the thing that I know that I know that I know everybody possess, regardless of what they may think. And and one of the things that one of my coaches told me says, you know, you need to get yourself around people that will support you, encourage you and love you enough that you can rely upon their belief until you have a, enough strength and confidence in your own beliefs to believe that you are worthy, to believe that you are here for a purpose, to believe that you can make a difference and use what's Left. So when I say use what's left, it was derived from first and foremost the understanding of wow, I'm back from broken and I'm not the only person. When I started going into the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous, I realized that wow, okay. My my little story, (laughs) my little situation, my my, my little disappointments ain't nothing compared to some of the other people that I saw. And that's not to put me on a pedestal, but to create a reality that oftentimes we look at our own lives in a very different lens than those that are outside of us do. So when I say use what's left, that's typically an invitation to encourage people because everybody has
0: something. As so what long I, as
1: you still breathing, you got something.
0: So what I hear is, you know, when I hear that, it's talking about use your tag, you know, your your talents, and you said abilities, and your gifts. So that's what you will always have left, that which God has given you uh, internally when you were made. So now what sets this program, in just a few words, what sets this program uh or makes this program different from all of the rest that are out there to help people bounce back from a setback? So
1: when I, when I created the rebound methodology, it was first of all planned out to be a multifaceted option. So some people, they can pick up a book and they're like, okay, I got it. But when we created use what's left, and the rebound methodology, we knew when we created it that we wanted it to be available as a seminar. We knew we wanted it to be available as an online course. We knew that we wanted it to be something that has a, a a physical conference. And once COVID is over, we'll be relaunching that as a part of the Back from Broken Movement. But it's it, it separates it because the person who created it has walked the path of those that we serve. And so, like, if you go, if you want to learn how to play basketball, you're not gonna go look at Wayne Gretzky as great as he is. He can't tell you a doggone thing about basketball. If you need to go to get yourself stitched up um, because you cut yourself, you're not gonna go to a seamstress. You're gonna go to a doctor that knows how to stitch you up. And so, likewise, if you've been incarcerated, you're going through. Recovery from addiction, you probably would be best suited to work with somebody that's been there, done that, and has the t-shirt and the scars and the desire to help you out. So that's that. I think is a key differentiator between the rebound methodology and programming versus some of the other things. And I don't. And I don't I like using the term "versus." I think it's uniquely and wonderfully made, and there's a vibration that comes with it. So it's not anything that Ed did. I believe that the rebound methodology is anointed by God. And so therefore, in and of itself, I don't look to the left and to the right to try and compare it. I just think that it's for those that God sends to me as my personal assignment.
0: All right. So rebound, reinvent yourself, extend and excel, bake, don't microwave, optimize opportunities, understanding, burst knowledge, negative negativity, demand your destiny. We have just a few minutes left to talk about some of these. One of the things I want to talk about, I've often heard this reinvent yourself. Give us one minute on that. What, what is that all about? 30 seconds. Reinvent yourself. This this particular step.
1: So the reinvent yourself is the key to everything. And basically, it's it's just what it says. It's taking that opportunity that you're still living to do something different to get yourself a different outcome. Because the definition of insanity is doing the same thing, expecting a different result. Well, the reinvention is that opportunity for you to put into action some key steps to help you turn your life around if you choose to and know that you can reinvent yourself whenever you
0: want to. And I said it wrong. It was like, I was supposed to say negate. I'm sitting here looking and my, eye, but negate ne- negativity. I want to talk about that one last optimize opportunities. You know, is, so I, can I get lucky? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, well, I don't call
1: it luck. I don't believe in luck. I think, I don't think anything is a coincidence either. Optimize an opportunity is taking the situations, that have happened in your life, good, bad, or indifferent, and being able to extract the lesson out of it. Because a lot of times, we some people believe that you either win or lose, and I believe that you either win or learn. Um, and when you go through life, you can actually position yourself for those opportunities that are going to yet come for you. Because I believe that success occurs when preparation meets opportunity. And so pre- the preparation... Are the traumatic things that you've gone through the unpopular decisions that you've lived through the situations that you don't necessarily want to happen but they happened anyway and so when you know and understand that life doesn't happen to you it happens for you it creates the preparation for the opportunities that could take you to that next level and so that's what i teach as part of our rebound methodology to help people understand that no matter what you see today If you're willing to do the work, you can create a different opportunity for yourself on the other side.
0: So this this program uh, can I go through it on my own, or do I need an instructor? Because you said it's 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 a curriculum in a book. How how does how does this program work?
1: So so first of all, again, rebound is a methodology. So the different modalities of the programming are built around that premise. So like I said, there's People learn in different ways. So some people may totally get it and just go off on a launch pad by simply reading a book. There's other people that might need that interactive setting where they get a chance to do hands-on activities. They're able to become a part of a community and be able to interact on a more regular basis. Or there's some people that might come to a live event and based on the way that we can put everything together it gives them a very different experience so we purposely created different modalities of learning around the methodology we're also in a process of putting an online course up that it should be out before uh the summer and so we'll have pretty much every basis covered and we call it our value ladder you know and i mean even there's some people that have worked with me one-on-one that really really wanted that intensive time With myself, and now that's a very rare offering, um, and and it's not cheap. But there is, because everybody doesn't have the same level of resources or need the same level of attention. We wanted to make sure that, regardless of where you're at, we have something to at least give you an opportunity to participate in your own rebound.
0: So, how can my listening audience find out more about? This program, this book, and even contact you for maybe a one on one session. Where do they go?
1: all right so the best way to contact me would be to go to the we rise we rise w e r i s s m e media dot com site and on that site, if you want to schedule an appointment with me or a consultation, I give the, I do those for free. So that's a 30-minute consultation with me. And what that does, and it's no cost, no obligation to that. And based on that conversation, we can then determine what's the best route. You can also purchase uh, a copy of Use What's Left from the We Rise Media store. So if you go We Rise Media forward slash store, you can get to the Use What's Left book as well as the Back From Broken book. But ideally, you know, for those people that are really serious about going beyond merely the book, having a consultation will allow us to best direct that that person to the resource that's just a perfect fit for both of us.
0: Who will benefit the most from this book?
1: The person that would benefit the most is the person that is ready to take their journey on finding the best version or the next version of themselves. And what I mean by that is if they find that they're not happy with who they are, they're not pleased with the results that they've been getting, they come from a environment of recovery in an environment of being incarcerated or returning citizen, or maybe just found themselves in a Valley experience. Um, The hurting of the people that I know I am served, I am here to serve. And so I think the ideal candidate to, you know, get behind the back from broken movement is a person who's truly been broken in some way, shape or form.
0: So how did you demand your destiny?
1: How do I demand my destiny? So it started by first and foremost realizing who I was and whose I was. Once I began to understand better that, first of all, all of the calamity, all the chaos, all the undesirable situations that I had gone through were not here to break me, they were never designed for that. And in the book of Peter, we see how suffering is actually a part of the journey for some of us in order to get to the other side. <clears throat> and so once I began to stop asking myself, why me? Why me? God, if you love me, why are you letting me get caught up in this, this physical violation? God, if you love me, why are you letting me go out here and destroy relationships with people that love me? If you, God, if you love me, why are you allowing me to be stuck in this, this act of addiction? And as I began to go through treatment, I started to realize that I need to change the question. And once I changed the question, it became very clear to me that my destiny was to serve others. And so now that that, I know that that's my destiny, I know who I am. I know whose I am. I'm willing to go and do whatever's necessary in order to ensure that I can fulfill my purpose by demanding my destiny, which is to serve others that are hurting.
0: What is the greatest benefit that you we rise media offers to their customers or their clients? What's the greatest benefit? The greatest benefit is probably
1: baked into our model. Our model is when you rise and I rise, then we rise. So when you enter into any program with that is provided by we rise media, you're not left alone. You're always going to find that there's a community uh, that is available to you. And I'm not one of those people where if you you know, purchase a product from me, I never speak to you. No, there are some people that may order my book online that I may never, ever meet. But like if you engage in a seminar or a live event or even a webinar for that matter – Um, We build community in our private Facebook group that is there to continue to build the relationship. Because what I've discovered is, you know, a lot of the reason that recovering addicts and returning citizens go back to what they did or were doing is because they don't have that support, that encouragement, that hand up instead of a handout that is, you know, so, so temporary. So it's really critical for us to build a a quality community. And I think that's the greatest benefit that anybody that goes through any of We Rise Media's programmings will realize.
0: Outside of the stuff that you do, the things that you do for recovering addicts, give us a 30 second pitch on what else We Rise Media does.
1: So from a personal development, so there's actually kind of a conduit. So, after we pour into people with life skills and basic encouragement and mindset, we want to be able to provide also some lucrative opportunity. So, We Rise Media, we do publishing, we do radio, we do business consultation. So, what I provide is a conduit for my returning citizens and my recovering addicts that once they come through and, you know, successfully are beyond the hurts and the pains and they discover who they are we want to provide lucrative opportunities so that they can find gainful employment to take care of their families and those that they love
0: excellent my brother you got a lot going on but to whom much is given much is required. Much is required. And your story, <laughs> on, so your, your story <laughs> is extremely powerful. I just want to thank you so very much for allowing Mr. Speaker to speak with you today about the, all that you've gone through and also, you know, how to bounce back by using what's left in order to rebound. I have one final question for you, my brother. Uh-huh. Where God has allowed you to see so much He's brought you from so far. You've gone through some afflictions. You've gone through some things. You've been to the mountaintop. You've been through the valley. And you've been on different mountains. And after all is said and done, you said your purpose is to serve. And you love serving others. You even mentioned the whole concept of being humble, persevering, courteous, and a willingness to actually open up. So I'm going to ask you to open up to my audience with this last question. And that question is what matters most to you?
1: Right now, what matters most to me is maintaining a relationship with my creator first and foremost, above everything else. Because what I realized was that all of the physical, tangible things he gave them to me and what he with for those that are familiar with the story of the talents, um, part of that was a test to see whether or not the one, the five, and the ten talents how they would be used. And so I've been through a situation where I along that journey where I had a whole bunch of stuff that I just buried and I did not use it for the glory of God. And so what I am where I'm at now in this juncture of my life is the most important thing to me is making sure that I stay in alignment with what it is that he wants me to do and that I am accountable to him first and foremost in any thing that I do that's that by far without even any real need oh. to hesitate or compare anything else I ain't even a close second that's the most important
0: Well, all right, my brother, I tell you, when you're enjoying yourself and having a great time, time just seems to fly away. Can't believe we've been talking this long, but it's been informative. It's been enlightening. And I think it helped to rejuvenate the minds of my listening audience today to let them know that you don't have to stay where you are. What you have to do is to be like, uh, Ed, you know, reach out, realize that you need help. But don't be afraid to ask for help, and when you get that help, don't give up, don't quit, just persevere. Would you say that's that's about how I could sum it up today?
1: Absolutely, I think that that you you, you nailed it, Mr. Speaker. <laughs> <laughs> you nailed it. Hey,
0: I want to help everybody to be like you and rise up, and hopefully, they've heard something today that they can take. And wherever they are, whatever situation in, they can rise up by just taking the seven step approach, that rebound approach where you can go to We Rise Media and find out more about that program where you can just reinvent yourself, extend to excel, bake it, don't microwave it, optimize opportunities, understanding breeds knowledge, negate negativity and demand your destiny. My brother, it has truly been a pleasure. And I would love to have you back on Mr. Speaker Speaks at any time that you want to. And if there's anything else you want to share to help people rise up, what do you say to that, my brother?
1: Man, you know what? I I, I so appreciate you for this opportunity to speak to your audience. And uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't leave you guys with this. Good, better, best. We can't let it rest until our good is our better and our better is our best. And I got a sneaky suspicion. If you make the decision to use what's left, or stop. We might just see you at the top because the bottoms entirely too. I love you. I appreciate you. And may God bless you abundantly, my brother.
0: And likewise, and we're getting ready to take it on home today. All for my listening audience. Just remember, let somebody know you heard about it right here. On Mr. Speaker Speaks. Remember, visit me at VincentTEdwards.com. Join the online community at VincentOnDemand.com. You've heard a lot about rising up today. You got to rise up. Why? Because life is all about purpose. Do you know yours? Remember, in all that you do, be magnificent. Until next time, be good, be blessed. But most of all, be a blessing to someone.